Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about today's news and issues, but we do from a law enforcement perspective. And yes, we are broadcasting live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios based out of Plant City, Florida. Um, guys, we have a very, very special guest uh, today. We have Sheriff Grady Judd from Polk County in Florida. Welcome to our guest, Sheriff Grady Judd and Lieutenant Randy Sutton from Las Vegas Metro. We may be joined by uh, former Sergeant Ray Dietrich with Red Voice Media. I know he's having some equipment issues. And also want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, yes, we've got some good sponsors here. A shout out to Motion DSP, Gulls, Gunlearn.com, on Medicare.live. And we're fueled by Bang Energy. Matter of fact, I'm on the Star Blast today. So it's a uh, that allows me to talk so fast, guys. And also a shout out to Ray Dietrich, of course, Red Voice Media. We're streaming the eight locations live right now. Three of those belong to Red Voice Media. They've got one million followers on those just on those three Facebook pages alone. So what a great opportunity. So thanks to uh, Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. Um, so um, Sheriff Judd, I really appreciate having the show. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, my mom is a big fan now. Uh, you know, every time I, t- I told her I was going to have you on the show and, and she says, yeah, Chip, that's uh, they voted uh, Sheriff Judd America's best looking sheriff. And I said, Mom, no, no, it's America's favorite sheriff, not best looking. So so and, and I and what scares me is that if you ever disappear, I think that my mom's going to be listed as the number one suspect, you know, so I'm just going to I'm just volunteering that information. So I apologize in advance. But no, Sheriff, uh, it's great to have you um, on the show. And yes, you they do have I'm looking at the article right now. America's favorite sheriff talks about cops, criminals and his 50 year career. And I believe that came out. Um, it was right around Christmas time uh, last year in, in December. But every time I talk to someone about um, Sheriff Grady Judd or I hear people talking about you, they are just amazed at how well you work with the media and i i know it sounds maybe easier than what it is i can appreciate it but uh but i uh, i'd love to i can't wait to hear what you want to talk about today but i'm hoping that at least incorporates um, some of that because that's it's just fascinating well chip it's my honor to be with you today and it's truly humbling to be able to be the sheriff of polk county and to serve the people and for those who think that i'm america's sheriff i'm grateful but really, all I am is a working guy, and I came out of South South Cumbie Road in Lakeland with the dream of being the sheriff one day, and I worked my entire career really, really hard, and the people of Polk County have allowed me to serve as their sheriff, and I'm in my 19th year as sheriff, so thank you very much to the people of Polk County. But one of the successes is to communicate with your bosses, and if you're an elected sheriff or you're an appointed police chief, your bosses are ultimately the people in your jurisdiction. So when I first became sheriff, that's when I told my staff, we're going to change the old police persona of how you deal with the media. The media traditionally was our enemy. Our media, the media was someone we didn't want to talk to. We gave as little information as possible, and we made it very difficult for them to do their job. Well, you know, anyone, even the most passive person in the world, if you poke them in the eye long enough, they'll poke back. So at the end of the day, the media was fighting us back because we wouldn't cooperate and they had a job to do. The media's job is not to get far left and far right, but it's to present the facts and then allow the people who are smart and most people in this country are smart, they are intelligent, let them decide for themselves after they hear the facts. So I started a program, I said, tell it all. When I start a news conference 
at the scene of a major event, I'll say, look, this is preliminary information. Not only is it subject to change, it probably will change and will modify it. But we want you to know what we know at this stage of the investigation. And I tell it all. Florida is a public record state. Everything eventually is public records, but ongoing investigations can be protected. And what does most police agencies do, not only across Florida, but across the nation? They don't cooperate. They don't tell their bosses what's happening. They don't calm the fears of the community. And as a result, there's some distrust. Well, I've learned along the way that you have to give trust before you receive trust. You've got to communicate with your bosses and let them know what's happening in the community so that they can be safe. And being safe is not just enough. They want to feel safe. So that's what we do. In fact, I've got a press conference that I'm going to do just as soon as I leave here within an hour or so where we arrested a lot, a lot of child pornographers. Well, I'm not going to spare words. I'm going to tell what they are and who they are and what they did. And if all police chiefs and sheriffs would just tell the public the truth, they're, the public's intelligent. They'll figure it out. There would be more trust of law enforcement agencies across this nation. Yeah, you know, Sheriff, you make it sound so easy, uh, but uh, but I, I know a lot of agency heads really struggle with that. And of course, you know, once they get on the bad side of the media, it, it, it can nature can take its take its course. But of course, you know, you're not you're not necessarily known for for saying stuff that's always maybe politically correct. Sometimes the media is kind of shocked at what you say, but you tell it you're honest and you tell it you tell it like it is. I think they've grown to appreciate that uh, that honesty. I truly want to be honest and tell the facts as I know them. Now, sometimes in the event that has just occurred, some of the information we give has to be modified later on. But everybody understands you can have it quick or you can have it 100% accurate, but you can't have both. If you want it 100% accurate, come back and see me in 90 days after the investigation's completed. But if you want it quick, I'm going to give it to you as accurate as possible, and then we'll modify it. But you know, the media, by and large, are really, really good people. You wouldn't know that if you talk to a bunch of cops in a cop shop. But the, what I have found, if you cooperate, they've got a job to do. And I tell folks, when we mess up here, we mess up, we'll dress up, fess up, and fix up. No one is perfect. No police agency is perfect. No hospital is perfect. No school system is perfect. Nobody is perfect. So people appreciate it when you said, hey, we made a mistake. We screwed something up. Or one of our deputies or police officers did something that was wrong, violated our trust, violated the community's trust, and we locked them up, and I'm telling you about it. Well, I do that. And why do I do that? because I want the people inside the organization to know they're going to be held accountable to the community because the community trusts us and they can't trust us unless we trust and communicate. So at the end of the day, it works. It works remarkably well because our community is what supports us every day. And that's true all across the nation, not just in Polk County. Now I did a lecture 
up at Boston College many years ago in front of probably a hundred police executives from across the nation. They thought I had lost my mind with the philosophy of how I release information to the media. And, and you know what, at the end of the day, if you went back and checked today to see how many of those folks were still in law enforcement, most of them are gone. I'm still here. They're gone. What's the difference? The difference is we work for the community. And that's what I say over and over and over. They're our bosses. They have a right to know. They want to know. I found that the community wants to like the cops. When they don't, it's because of us. We don't allow that. And I build relationships. I told the media recently, they had one of their own shot and killed over in Orlando. And I went on my next press conference and I said, listen, you go into dangerous areas. If you need protection while you're doing a news story in a dangerous area, call us. I'll send security to watch your back to keep you safe. Wow. I'll send security even if the story you're doing is hard on me because we can't have a free democracy. We can't have a great country without a free press. And we can't have a great police agency if we don't cooperate with the media who talks to our bosses. So at the end of the day, I'm just telling you that it works. Now, I talked to a gentleman one time who said, Grady, I just don't agree with everything you say. And I said, well, sir, can I let you in on a secret? He said, yeah, what's that? I don't agree with everything I say either. <laughs> but I'm not making decisions for me. I'm making decisions in the best interest of three quarters of a million people in this county. So I make decisions I don't personally agree with. I say things I don't personally agree with, but it's in the best interest of the majority of the people. And he goes, that's why I like you as a sheriff. Even when I don't agree, I respect that you're telling us and talking to us. I have a question. Yeah, I, I have a question. Go ahead, Randy. Okay. So, um, Sheriff, what advice would you give? Uh, I, read a, I read an article this morning about a press conference that was being given by the Oakland Police Department, Oakland, California. Oh, I think we have a break coming up. You got about 10 seconds, Randy. All right, I'll come, I'll come back and ask the question after the break. Okay, guys, so yeah, we've got a, our first commercial break coming up and the, uh, the sheriff will be with us for the first half of the show. So he's uh, got uh, around uh, 13 minutes left, but it's gonna get real good. Stick with us, we'll be right back. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software, it's easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automating tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters achieving results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. A Spotlight is built specifically for redaction. It works with video from any camera source and using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, saving users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. 
and forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using uh, patented super resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get forensically valid evidence from low quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products by simply going to motiondsp.com. You'll be glad that you did. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific healthcare needs? The answer is simple. Contact mymedicare.live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby, meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays, find plans that your doctors accept, and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, mymedicare.live. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live through the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. We've got as a special guest today, Sheriff Grady Judd, and I know that uh, Lieutenant Randy from Las Vegas Metro that uh, he had a question for the sheriff. So go ahead, Randy. Okay, so I, I read an article today, and um, and I had to I had to shake my head. There was a press conference. There was a, a town meeting with uh, in Oakland because the citizens there are so incredibly fed up with being victimized by the the rampant crime in their city. I mean, literally, there were five hundred people. And, and the, the law enforcement presence was there, the assistant chief and, uh, and their, their head of um, something that they created, their violence suppression coordinator or something, you know, something very California-ish. But at the end of the day, when all these people were talking about being victimized and how sick they were of it and demanding some, some type of, of law enforcement response, to this rampant crime, the last thing that came out of their mouth was, I'll send an, I'll send an email to the mayor about it. What advice could you give to a, an out-of-control city like that where the, the, basically the, the law enforcement um, hands are, are tied by the insane uh, laws, regulations, and policies of the state? Well, in that particular case, the police department's just the punching bag for the community. The police officers, the police agency doesn't make the rules or the laws that get you arrested. They don't create the laws or the rules that hold you in jail. And they don't create the rules or the laws that lets you out of jail. So when, a, when crime is high in the community, the community has a right to be outraged and should. But what they've got to understand is, who did you vote for? Who did you elect to public office? It's your state legislators that de determine how many beds there are for the state prison. It's the state legislators that decide at what level and what point system puts bad guys in jail. What I've exper experienced over my entire career, and I study this data, not occasionally, every day, is when jail populations or prison populations are up, when prolific offenders are held accountable, neighborhoods are safe and crime goes down. When you go easy on criminals and it's profitable for them to run wild and do whatever they want, they do, and crime goes up and people are less safe. So look at your mayor, look at your city commission, look at your house and senate members, and look at your governor. That's who's responsible for the high crime rate, not the police department. 
Those police officers there will serve and protect. They'll stand in front of a bullet for you, and they do, but they don't create the rules that keep you in jail or put you in jail. It's a systems problem created by the elected officials, and the appointed police chief can't stand up and say that, or he'll be fired the next day. Good, good information. So we can control it. And I mean, by saying we, I mean, citizens at the ballot box is really what you're saying. Absolutely. But those citizens with that anger need to get together and start a coalition to throw the rascals out and get people into public office that will detain those hardcore prolific criminals that are committing the crime. When you look at the data as compared to the population, it's a very small amount of the population that does the majority of the prolific or violent or dangerous crimes. But if you don't have them locked up, they're going to keep doing what they want to do. And that's victimize the good people of the community. Thanks, Sheriff. Enlightening. But it sounds it sounds so simple, too. But uh, but it makes complete sense. It's not rocket science. Um, but it's much more important than rocket science because if you're not safe and you don't feel safe, nothing else really matters. Your community doesn't thrive. Your family doesn't thrive. Your business doesn't thrive. It's all circled around your decision makers that you elect to public office. So when you elect those people that pass those rules that think more of criminals and criminal conduct than they do the, the law-abiding, hardworking citizens of the community, you get what they've got in Oakland, California. Wow. Exactly, exactly. Um, qu another question, Sheriff. Um, you and I were together just a few weeks ago at the National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial um, during the, during the uh, uh, police week, and we were we were paying our respects to the service and sacrifice of all the officers whose lives were lost um, in, in the line of duty. I'd like your opinion. And, and uh, when, when it comes down to the emotional and the psychological well-being of your department, um, the, the stressors are, of course, um, ever increasing as far as the physical dangers. But sometimes the emotional and psychological dangers are, uh, are just as, as um, threatening to our law enforcement. What is, what is your uh, take on, um, on what your department does to assist these officers when they are psychologically or emotionally injured in the line of duty? Sure, well, first and foremost, you can't separate your personal life and your law enforcement life. This job is hard, you work shift work. You work weekends and nights. You're dealing with the community's problems. So aside from the fact that you can be shot, stabbed, or beat up, just the fact that you're having to wrestle with other people's problems is difficult in and of itself. Then you add the danger to that. And then you've got to understand these law enforcement officers have a personal life. So I tell folks it's a holistic approach. I discuss and provide opportunities for financial counseling, mental health counseling, family counseling, because at the end of the day, if you're not stable at home, if you've got a divorce and your ex-wife's after you and they're trying to get your half your paycheck and you've got 
three kids and one of them's in trouble at school and then you got to go to work then it mounts up and it mounts up and it mounts up so we offer counseling through eap we have counseling through our sism teams we offer individual counseling we got 10 seconds in in our economic areas and our social areas of our personal lives because if it's stable then it right, makes right. it easier to be stable at and work. Thank you, Sheriff. Hey, Gauls, you know, Gauls is the country's leading uniform, clothing, equipment, and gear provider for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from uh, flashlights and multi-tools to uh, uniforms and clothing equipment. So Gauls is known for um, all these things. And, you know, if you guys haven't heard of Gauls lately, you need to check them out, especially if you have a family friend or loved one that's involved with law enforcement. Uh, what a great opportunity to get a gift card and to support them. I mean, if you look at your duty belt, um, you know that just about everything on it comes from Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo. So I, I encourage you guys to check them out and to check them out today. And look, for my old agency, Tampa Police Department, you know, they have a Gauls office right in the first floor lobby. So you guys need to check them out like Tampa Police is doing because they've lost the other two uh, uniform companies and Gauls is absolutely killing it for them. So Gauls.com slash Leo. Go through the day and more information, some stuff that we're going to be doing all on the Gauls coming up very soon. Gauls.com. Leo. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So look, for our radio and podcast listeners, you know, the sheriff had the bolt. He had an important, uh, con- as he hinted at, he's got an important news conference coming up. So uh, and uh, so we let him go right until the minute of the hard break. So uh, thanks to uh, Sheriff Grady Judd in the Polk County Sheriff's Office for making him available for us and, uh, and having, having him on the show. Hey, Randy, you had some, you posed some great questions for the, uh, for the sheriff. I know a lot of uh, uh, police chiefs and sheriffs around the country listen to our show and command staff do. So those were spot on. Well, you know, I, I have such a great deal of respect for, for Grady. I mean, he is truly the epitome of what a sheriff should be. Excellent leader, cares about his people, cares about the people that work for him. And you, you, can't, you can't make that stuff up. So he's a genuine American hero as far as I'm concerned. So I, I really enjoyed the opportunity to have a have an interchange with him about what's happening in law enforcement, and of course the craziness that's 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 happening to our our law enforcement community is uh, you know I, when when I get a chance to ask a, a true leader about these type of things, it's really energizing for me. Yeah, and, and 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 you know you mentioned Oakland and California, and I, I just whenever <laughs> I think about Oakland, California, I think about two things. I think about the uh, the dispatcher's daughter that slept with like half the police department. And then I think about the, uh, the, the review police review commission that's that when they openly solicited convicted felons to join that group to decide discipline for cops. And it just, you know, it blew my mind, but that's the kind of whacked out, um, you know, things that I think about when I think about the Oakland police department and, 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 you know, a, an example of what not to do when you're in law enforcement. Oh, you, you couldn't, you couldn't be more right. I'm looking I'm looking right now uh, the the article that I read earlier about uh, about uh, the this. I mean, the citizens are they don't know what to do. They're looking for help, and literally, the police can't help them because of the insane laws that the that the legislator has put legislature has put into place, and the policies of the department itself. I mean, there there are some really interesting things in this in this uh, article if i can uh, if i can find it but it was uh but the, my i just had to i had to laugh when i read the last words of the article was 
And this was the answer that these that these people, these outraged people, was. I'll, I'll send an email about it. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. One of the, yeah. So. So while we're on it, Randy, you know, there's some stuff going on in uh, in Las Vegas. I know that one of the stories that I pulled that I wanted to cover because I, I suspect that you may you may or maybe you don't have some inside information on it. But it's about on police one. They said this facility will have an impact across the country. Las Vegas Metro PD. They set the standard in reality based training. Now, now, look, I come from a, I have a big training background you know, from the Tampa Police Department. And it was kind of you know, they have a video and I, I am getting some background noise from you, uh, Randy. It sounds like there's like a. Uh, an animal battle going on with a pack of dogs. But but look, Las Vegas Metro Police Department is reality-based training center designed to provide law enforcement and first responders with the nation's most sophisticated reality-based tactical training. It sound, And I watched the video. It sounds unbelievable. It offers access to unprecedented training capabilities with a focus on de-escalation tactics, active shooter incidents, including those with the mass casualties, as well as training for natural disasters. And eventually they envision the center being used by law enforcement all over the country. And here's a quote from Tom Kovic saying that one of the special qualities about the facility and the process of making it happen is, is that they use no public money to build it. And uh, this is the, I guess they're using the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Foundation. Every dollar that's gone into the building um, and the structure and the shell of the other building has been private money comes from households, foundations, businesses, corporations, as they understand the importance of training to keep us really safe. And that's the uh, that's the end of the quote. Um, so and this reality based training, this is the wave of the future. So um, I don't know if you've seen or toured the facility. I mean, oh, my gosh, it looks like a football field with a with a roof and walls. It is absolutely amazing. And it is it is literally the the um, the the cutting edge here when it comes down to the technology. And it's really interesting that this has been in the works for years. Um, they took a, uh, they were they were donated land, um, you know, way out in the middle of nowhere. But they created something that is, and it's literally to it, not just Metro. It's for all of of Nevada to utilize. And you're right, they did, they didn't use any public money at all. Um, this was all money that was collected. For, by the the police foundation, the police foundation itself is a nonprofit organization that um, you know purchases things for cops that are you know not in the budget, so to speak. Um, they do a lot of philanthropic stuff. Um, I my my organization works with them, uh, the Wounded Blue, and uh, uh, but this facility is like nothing you can imagine. It is literally um, is literally the the future laid out before us and they're not done yet they've only finished the first phase of it well you know so like what like grady judd is an example to other sheriffs and police leaders around the country from polk county hopefully this will be a new standard you know uh, what las vegas you know is is doing with the training center but of course i know they're opening up to uh to everybody all over the country and and maybe and maybe they will be able to to get guys from other agencies to go there but you know realistically of course you know having a a sheriff's office or a state facility you know it's close by within driving distance for other guys to do that kind of training and stuff uh that that would be uh, highly advantageous so well, well i got you know, a couple go ahead oh uh well you know las vegas metro police um has a new sheriff kevin mcmahill and he is um, he is a, he's a visionary. Uh, he and I have had many, many talks, especially about um, the, the physical and mental health of, of law enforcement. 
officers here in in uh, in Las Vegas, and he has created an entire new wellness bureau within the agency that the Wounded Blue is participating with uh, to to help officers from all from all over the the department. So it's really interesting some of the stuff that's going on here, and you know there's a lot of police training that takes place here in Las Vegas. There's a, there's always conferences, and while we're on the subject of training. You know, the Wounded Blue has the National Law Enforcement Survival Summit coming up in September, September 26th through the 29th here in Las Vegas. And I urge any police leader who's listening to this to go to thewoundedblue.org, check out the Survival Summit, send your people. This is every aspect of surviving a law enforcement career, just like Grady, Grady Judd was talking about. It's all about the emotional well-being. It's about the fiscal well-being and and that's what this conference is about so if you're a police leader um go to the woundedblue.org if you're a police officer sometimes you got to invest in yourself it's only 295 bucks the hotel the ahern hotel is great it's only 100 bucks a night so go to the woundedblue.org and register today for the national law enforcement survival summit great and your keynote speaker is colonel dave grossman is going to be there and I, and I haven't announced it, but I'm going to announce it right now here on our show that one of the yeah. America's incredible actors, Glenn Moore Shower, who I just saw him last night on Black Hawk Down. He uh, um, starred in se seven seasons of 24 with Kiefer Sutherland. He is one of the most amazing inspirational speakers I've ever seen, and he's going to be one of the keynotes as well. And uh, I wasn't telling anybody, but I'm announcing it right here. Hey, thank you so much for uh, for breaking that on the uh, live on the uh, on the air with us. So, uh, so guys, you need to check it out. Go to thewoundedblue.org now. Check out the conference. Seriously, consider going uh, attending. And look, it's all about longevity, right? I mean, you know, it helps pensions when we don't have to to uh, to pay survivors. You know, for guys that just didn't take care of themselves while they're you know while they're while they're working and stuff. And uh, you don't want to have to retire out, you know, before you really should have to. It's all about longevity. I would say, in addition to being, you know, defensive tactics, I was a physical fitness instructor. And and I'm telling you, you get in the get in the habit early because you want to live and you should be able to live a long time after retirement to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So um, thanks, Lieutenant. Appreciate it. Um, guys, I know that. I, well, guys here, uh, the guys, the guys are Randy. So, Randy, you're pulling the weight of, of multiple people today. But look, there's a, a couple of stories I want to cover. I know we got about a minute and a half before our next commercial break, but at rumble.com and the best law enforcement video channel out there, I, call, I think it's This Is Butter. So it's at rumble.com. This Is Butter is the name of the channel. St. Pete man who threatened to kill everyone is fatally shot by Pinellas Park police officers, and that's in Pinellas Park, Florida. Hey, Jared. So we've got a, a a local a local sheriff here, at least in my neck of the woods. Uh, sheriff Bob Gilterry gives an update on an officer-involved shooting that unfolded in Pinellas Park early on Tuesday morning. So there's four Pinellas Park police officers. They respond to a domestic call at a home in Pinellas Park. It happened on Tuesday around 12:40 in the morning. So it's early in the morning, dark. Deputy said 36-year-old Jared Ruderham uh, had gotten into a verbal altercation with his ex-girlfriend, and they share a seven-year-old child. And this happened at her home when the girl dialed 911 because she was scared for her safety. So Ruderum, he texts his girl, his ex-girlfriend, 
earlier that day saying he's going to kill everyone. And later that night, his ex-girlfriend said that he was trying to convince her to come outside, but she was refusing to. He continued making statements about wanting to kill himself. And then the ex-girlfriend asked if he had a gun, but he refused to answer her and continued to try to get her to go outside. So, yeah, she said it was like a scary calm, right? So, look, um, I'll finish the story in a second. Commercial break. We'll be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offers a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, competent, and accurate certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy in their training. It's approved by major friends and organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at absolutely no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. You'll be glad that you did. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So we we left off where we've got, you know, an ex-girlfriend, an ex-boyfriend. He's trying to get her outside, said he was going to kill everyone. They share a seven-year-old daughter together. But she's not she's not dumb enough to go outside. And uh, he's trying to coax her into going out, and he won't answer when she uh, asks him whether or not he's got a gun or not. So when officers get there, we have our rudderum, our bad guy. He's in the backyard of the home. He's pacing and holding what uh, they believe to be a cell phone. So at the same time, three other officers approach from the opposite side to speak with this guy. Now, as the three officers enter the backyard, uh, the deputy said that rudderum, he pulls out a semi-automatic Glock 19 pistol from his waistband, and he had about 28 rounds of ammo in it. So one officer saw Rudderham, he racks the weapon, so he's charging it, right? And as he's racking the gun, he turns towards the officer who ended up firing at him, and, he, and the officer struck him four times. So he had a, according to Gautieri, the sheriff, he had a preconceived and predetermined notion as to what uh, he was going to do, and he did it. So our bad guy was rushed to uh, Bayfront um, I got Health Center you know, in St. Pete, but pronounced dead. And the officer... Um, ended up shooting Rudderham in the in the head. So there was a headshot among the four shots. So he allegedly had a history of mental illness, and that's not a shock to anyone listening to this story. He was on medications for anxiety and depression, but I suspect maybe not on this particular day. And deputies believe that his suicidal thoughts stem from jealousy over his ex-girlfriend's relationship with other men. Wow, imagine that. Uh, <laughs> Lieutenant, Lieutenant Randy, I'm sure you've never heard this story before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, thank God that this woman had the, had the good sense not to go out and try and talk him down from his suicidal threats, because that would have been it for her. But I got to tell you, the officer that, uh, that did the shooting here, um, man, stellar, absolutely stellar. He was he, he made the made the correct decision. He didn't hesitate. He used his firearm with with great accuracy and that was policing as it should be yeah i mean the only thing that would make the story any better is that we know the you know the cop hit the bad guy four times and i don't know how many times he shot but the only thing that would make the story better is that if he shot only four times and he made contact all four times and that all four were headshots that would be the like the perfect trifecta but but then again he'd probably have to be a retired las vegas metro police officer in order to make that happen i think that you're a very bloodthirsty man (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, and, 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 you know, so now you got me thinking. So I somewhere I was going to go and I ended up not going there, but I'm going to go back to police week when you were there. So I'm, you know, if it, if, if it hadn't been for a sheriff, Grady Judd actually confirming that you guys were hanging out, you, you sent me the photo of you and the sheriff together. Maybe I'll even have producer will put it up on the, on the, on today's segment, <laughs> but it looked, it looked, I was trying to say, is that dude, is that like a, one of those cardboard, you know, life-size figures of like Grady Judd next to Randy, you know, and I was trying to, and so I even went on Photoshop and I put like, like cardboard wood edges around it, make it look like it was a piece of paper cut out. You know, I was going to mess with you on the show. I ended up not doing that, but, uh, but so, yeah, so he confirmed that you guys were hanging out together. So you're off the hook, Randy. I, you're still trustworthy in my book. I believe everything you say, buddy. Man, man, I was really worried about that. Yeah. I'm sure you're losing sleep over that one. So look, let's, uh, um, so, uh, if there's no more commentary on this one, you want it, you ready uh, to jump to the next one with the video component, Randy? Sure thing. Let's do it. Uh, all right. So look, uh, so our second story and look for radio and podcast sisters. We're describing great detail what's going on. So you don't feel like you're missing out on anything because it's hard to really cover a news story today without a video component. So we've got a little over five minutes left and back on rumble.com. This is butters the channel. So Santa Ana. So we're in California. They released body cam of a shooting that occurred from a traffic stop and injured a suspect. So Santa Ana police, they shot a suspect during the traffic stop. It happened on Friday evening. So the circumstances that lead up to the shooting, though, that's what we want to hear. So uh, they're they're unclear. So they're still releasing information about this. So there's not a lot, but there is a video component for this. So it happens around 6.40 p.m. Officers conduct a traffic stop. And at some point, they end up opening fire and they strike one person. So they were uh, rushed to the nearby hospital where they were said to be in stable condition. And they said that he, he suffered a gunshot wound to the upper torso and lower body. Now, during the traffic stop, officers encountered a, the subject. They're saying that he was armed with a handgun and an officer involved shooting occurred, according to the agency. But there was another guy that was in the vehicle who police said ran after the shooting occurred and no officers were injured you know, during the incident. But I'll tell you, you know, it's kind of a you know, we've got the guy um you know, we got the shooting on the on the on the driver's side of the vehicle, right? That goes down, and it kind of happens really fast when the sky bolts, and you can see it. There's like a, um, uh, I think they did like a freeze frame with a red circle around the gun and stuff that the bad guy had, and the cops unload on him. But then, of course, you know, we got the pasture that bails after all this stuff goes down too. Um, I know, Randy, especially with foot chases, when you got guys bailing out of cars, and a lot of cops will run by these cars without with never checking in the car to see if there was like a bad guy waiting to ambush you as you run as you run by, or maybe maybe they left a baby in the car because maybe it was a carjacking a baby or whatever. There could be any one of a number of things that's a it's a safety issue for the person or maybe safety issue for you. Uh, but your comments, Randy? Yeah, this was kind of a bizarre this was kind of a bizarre set of circumstances because um, but but let's let's talk about the, the tactical approach here uh, that you just talked about. Yeah, you know, the first instinct is like, you know, chasing a rabbit, right? You run right after him. 
but they were these are seasoned police officers you could tell because they they one of them did open fire on the suspect as he was running um but they did they recognized that there was another threat and that that they addressed that now here's what you didn't mention in this which is just totally bizarre is that after the suspect ran the one of the cover officers radioed you know where his direction of travel and they turned on to a street but then they heard more gunfire and when they when the other officers responded they found the the, the guy the suspect had number of gunshot wounds but it wasn't from the police officer another a, ve- a vehicle a van apparently did a drive-by on him so the guy is running from the police after maybe being shot by the police they didn't they didn't really say where what bullets hit him but this vehicle pulls up the shooters get out and open up on this guy fire 12 rounds at him and hit him multiple times so what the hell is that all about that's a bizarre set of circumstances hey don't they have straight gun laws in california randy <laughs> yeah Strictest gun laws, right? Well, yeah, just like Chicago does. It means a great deal, especially when they don't bother arresting or prosecuting for anything anyway. Well, so you're so good. Good point. Yep, totally bizarre and hard to wrap your you know your head around. So, um, but 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 who am I? You know, I'm just a guy stuck in uh, Florida, and, and you're you're a guy in Nevada. You know, um, on on that note, Randy, I I'd like to close out with this one. Lawofficer.com. We have Seattle Police are fleeing while 911 response times increase. So it says the city of Seattle, they're struggling to hire new police officers. And it says that the response times across 10 minutes for emergency calls for service. So the Gateway Pundit reports that crime is so bad in some parts of the city that the mail is not even being delivered by the U.S. Post Office. And so they're talking about KTTH News reports that while the budgets increased for recruiting purposes, the hiring has been lower than expected. And then we've got the Seattle City Council. They said that the police department wanted to hire 31 officers in the first quarter of, of 2023, but they only brought in on 26 people. And then they're talking about the department's been under a consent decree for over a decade since 2020. They've lost 515 officers and they've just hired 190 uh, to replace those over 500. So it's just a mess there. Um, so we got less than a minute. Your thoughts, Randy? Oh, well, the city of Seattle is getting exactly what they deserve from their city council and their, and the insane laws that the, that the uh, state of Washington has put into place. They have done everything that they possibly could to uh, destroy law enforcement, everything they possibly could. And, uh, and of course, who couldn't see this coming, right? They defunded the police. They have disrespected the police. They have, they have, they have uh, put to, in place policies which don't allow the police to police. And so what are they getting for it? The citizens have got to stand the hell up. They, they keep on putting these liberal morons into positions of power, and, and they're getting exactly the, 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 the results that they voted for. So until this, until the people stand up, they're going to continue to be in danger. Well, thanks, Randy. And look, uh, before we uh, any more time goes by, I'm going to, well, Randy, why don't you go and talk about the Wounded Blue, you know, one more time, make sure these guys know about the conference coming up, know how they find it, and also about your store with the cool gear, and leave me about, you know, 20, 25 seconds. 
Well, the Wounded Blue is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers. If you are a police officer and you're struggling, either from a physical injury or psychological, emotional, you're struggling, reach out to us. My entire team is made up of cops who have been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up, and screwed over. And they continue to serve with great distinction and great empathy. So we've got a couple things happening. We have the National Law Enforcement Survival Summit, September 26th through the 29th. Go to thewoundedblue.org and register right now. We've also got an incredible event coming up that uh, I'll talk Alert. about. Alert.com on Medicare.life, Bang Energy. Thanks for the fuel, guys.